Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So if this is your first time joining us, I want to take a minute and welcome you into the Kelly family and let you know that this podcast exists specifically for you. If you're a young leader, if you're thinking about entrepreneurship, if you're just kind of stuck in the weeds in, in, in the management climb journey, um, we want to help you. So if you're wrestling with a question, maybe you have a topic, maybe you're dealing with a tough employee situation, um, whatever it is, maybe you'd like to hear from some of our faculty, get some of their expertise or know what they're researching. And finally, if you know of an awesome person who would make a great guest for our show, send us an email to ROIPod, that's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. Again, R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. So a lot of times, if you've been with us on this show long enough, we talk a lot about these buzzwords we hear. We hear things like culture. We hear things, um, you know, there's all these business buzzwords out there, sustainability, you know, diversity. There, there are these trendy words that we throw in business plans, throw on social media just to kind of show the world that, hey, like we get it, we're serious about business, yet how many organizations really understand what they're trying to accomplish? I think a disruption becomes one of those other words we use out there, yeah, we're going to go out and we're going to disrupt the market. But what does that really mean? Like, What are we trying to accomplish? What are we getting to um, as an organizational leader? And I would argue or tend to say that I think we'd approach a lot of these topics in a in the wrong way. I think for disruption, for instance, we come in thinking we're going to come in and be this thing that upends everything, which may be some truth and maybe some put some uh, fire in there. But I think the problem we need to get to addresses much deeper. And that's going to be our topic for our show today. I'm honored to be joined by Jeff Eccles, the president of Echo Engagement and host of two podcasts, the Build Your Brand podcast and Context and Clarity Live. Jeff, welcome to the ROI podcast. Thanks, Matt. I'm thrilled to be here. I appreciate the invitation. You are very much a, in in the business world. I know specifically you'd work a lot with architects, uh, but you do venture out and work with a lot of service-based consulting firms and Disruption tends to be one of those big buzzwords, you know, so talk about this idea of disruption and where, um, you know, organizations may kind of approach it in a wrong way so we can start building on what we need to do as organizational leaders. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, and the lead in, right, disruption, maybe we're, we're thinking about or approaching disruption in the wrong way. And I think, I think that's a really important point. Um, if we think about disruption, maybe, maybe we look at different businesses that have popped up. Easy examples coming out of the Great Recession, Uber and Slack and and uh, examples like that that have disrupted, real, really disrupted complete industries. Hotels with uh, Airbnb, taxi cabs with Uber and other things like that. But many times, when we're thinking about disruption, the, the first mistake we make is saying, hey, I'm going to be a disruptor. Right? We, go into, we go into a situation, we say, how can we disrupt this industry? And, and I don't think that's realistic. I think there are plenty of industries that are ripe for disruption. And like you said, I work with a lot of architects. 
a lot of engineers, a lot of construction companies, AEC world is what we call that. Um, to broaden that out even further, professional services. And we think about, we think about those, those professions. We think about those industries. Uh, construction takes a lot of heat for not really having evolved at all in 80 years, whatever the time period is, architecture, engineering, same. Sure, there's new technologies. Um, sure, there are some, some better business systems and things like that. But by and large, the, the practice of the, the process of has not changed very much. So why don't we go in there and disrupt it? Okay, well, what's that mean? Right. What, what exactly are we going to disrupt? You know, with the air quotes. It all has to start with a problem. It all has to start with a need. And if you look at those easy examples, the Ubers, the Airbnbs, the Slacks, the whatever, they all started with a very small, very simple problem. You know, I don't like to war- wait for a taxi cab. You know, we were talking about that before we went live stand on a corner in an unfamiliar city and am I going to get taken for a ride, et cetera. Small problem, small discomfort, real, real problem. And it grew from there, grew into a disruptive technology, a disruptive app, you know, disruptive business model. And I think no matter what you do, no matter what your business is, the mistake would be to go in, okay, we're going to disrupt this. The right way to, to do it is, okay, what do I know about my business? What do I know about my, my industry, my profession, my business model? What are the real needs? Where are the real gaps? And a lot of that, you know, I think it's got to come from your personal experience. I think if you felt the pain, then, okay, now I can start thinking about what this problem is. Um, I can start thinking about better ways to do things, things that I can solve. Uh, and, and that could be, that could be the business model, or if you're a young leader or wanting to move up into leadership, it could be, what about what about our culture? What about our management style? I mean, you look at what's happened over the last 18 months with COVID, remote workspaces, hybrid workspaces. What's the future of that going to look like? If you're a young leader, COVID itself and what it's forced businesses to do that's that is going to disrupt a lot of a lot of things. You know, the, the breadth of that is going to be huge. Not only are we working remotely or hybrid or in person, you know, in the office, but also if we're working remotely or hybrid or both, right? It's, this is going to be an evolution, right? What about culture? Right? When we were all in the office together, that's a culture. You know, we we worked we did things, we worked in a certain way, we had certain expectations, uh, dress code hours, whatever they are. Now what happens? Right now, we, now culture is an issue. Real estate is an issue. Office space is an issue. There are a lot of things that are being upended by uh, something like what we've been through, this pandemic that we've been going through for 18 or so months. And there are some very specific problems, some very specific needs that you can look at, you can look for, you can address, you can start to think about and go, basically, how can I solve that problem? How can I figure this out? And I think the the best approach to it is start with the smallest thing you can find. 
I want to go even back a bit. One point you made about Uber, which I thought was really fascinating, is goes to imagine if Uber or the creators of Uber went in to say, I just want to upend the taxi industry. Like, I just want to um, come in and disrupt how the norm of the taxi industry works. You know, I think you were kind of alluding to it, and I'd love for you to elaborate more on it. Talk about the blind spot that could create when you're not focused specifically on the problem, but you're focused on just being a disruptor, and then how many problems that are just easy to fix along the way you totally could miss out on. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question. That's a great example. So in my mind, if I'm if I go at it and I say I want to disrupt the taxi industry, the first few things that come to my mind, you know, I spent about 20 years in Chicago, um, and so been in a lot of taxis, but 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 I'm not an expert in, in the taxi or the transportation industry. But so the first thing that comes to my mind is, okay, well, what's it take to be a cab driver? Well, I've got to have a medallion, right? So. Maybe one of the things I'm thinking about is, okay, is there some sort of legislation or something? Can we change the way that works? Because that's a real barrier to entry. Can we change the fleet? Can we change, you know, there's all these sort of big picture changes when I'm thinking I'm going to disrupt the the taxi cab industry. I'm thinking, at least for me, and maybe, maybe that's me, but this is my blind spot, right? I'm going, if I'm going to change the taxi cab industry, I'm thinking big picture. But if I'm in Manhattan or Chicago and it's nine o'clock and I'm coming out of a business meeting or a networking meeting or, or dinner with a client or whatever, and I've got to get to my hotel and it's raining, maybe, maybe I don't know the area very well. If for any of you that have spent any time in major cities, there are certain corners where it's really, really easy to catch a cab and certain corners where you're never going to catch a cab, right? And it's just on, ta- on uh, traffic flow. So, oh my gosh, it's, it's pouring down rain. I don't have an umbrella. I don't really know where I am. Which direction do I need to go to find that corner that's, that has all the traffic so I can find a cab? If I start thinking about these small problems, I can go, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I could pull out my phone tap an app and a cab or some transportation device comes to me, right? And not only they come to me, but I know what their license plate is. I know what the car is. I know the driver's name. I see the route and I see immediately how much it's going to cost, right? The, the real problem that I was trying to solve was I don't want to stand out in the rain in an unfamiliar city. And then it, it kind of expands right through the, the full capabilities of the of the Uber platform. But that is a much more manageable problem. That's a smaller thing for me to think about and to work on. And my answer became an app rather than legislation or completely overhauling a fleet or how do we get around medallions or whatever, you know, these huge probably immovable objects, honestly, right? How do I find a cab on any random corner in a city in the middle of the night when it's pouring down rain versus how do I change an entire industry, right? And when we, when we go about it in that way, and, and I, again, you know, back to that, back to that question, 
how do we go about this the wrong way? And I said, I think going about it the wrong way is saying, I'm going to come in and be a disruptor. If I go about it as I'm going to be a problem solver, then I may come up with some solutions that are disruptive. If I go at it being, I'm going to be a disruptor, you know, it's, it's probably worse than baseball, right? If in baseball, if you're batting 300, you're in the hall of fame, right? That means you struck out seven out of 10 times, right? So if I'm, if I'm going at it, trying to be a disruptor, I'll bet I'm striking out at least seven out of 10 times, if not more, because I'm swinging at these big giant problems. But if I go at it as a problem solver, in baseball, maybe that's small ball. Sorry for going down the the, the sports <laughs> rabbit hole there, but but going going after the small problems and solving the small problems, coming up with great solutions to small problems, and then letting that expand. You know, again, young leaders, you know, what's what are the even even just in your purview, right? You're you're not the CEO. You're the you're the uh, the manager of some department. What are the small problems that your department has? You know, how can we, how, what, what's this one pain? What's this one stumbling block, this roadblock that's keeping us from being as efficient or as satisfied or as, as profitable or whatever, whatever it is, what's that one small thing and how can I solve that problem? And if I dig deep enough into that, I may well find a very, very new way of approaching this. And find a way that I that can then expand and then can trickle out through the organization and then can disrupt the way that we do things. And I, I think that's the big difference. I want to talk to you that idea of the small problem. It leads perfectly where, for a lot of pain points, I think for organizational leaders, they may not feel like this problem even deserves any merit. You know, there's there can be a fear of leadership saying, "Well, you know, it's." it's a small problem, but it's not that big of a deal. Or this problem's just too small to focus our resources on. You know, like we need to think bigger picture. Like, yeah, this is there. It's a real concern, but it doesn't deserve maybe my attention right now because I'm trying to think of, have, I have quote unquote bigger fish to fry. You know, how do you consult organizational leaders who think that you know, how this is too small of a problem and how do you begin to change the way we look at even knowing, all right, this is where we deserve and need to put our energy to start change. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the title of your show is ROI, right? Return on investment. So we do have to be cognizant of exactly what you're saying. If, if we try to micromanage, you know, that, that's, that's not efficient or good for anybody. But how do we find those small problems, as you said? Um, getting familiar with Pareto's principle, the 80-20 rule is what most people call it. The idea is that 20% of the effort produces 80% of the return, basically. And so, you know, if we're looking at small problems, we can look at it and say, okay, well, this is a small problem, but can we be realistic about what this is really costing us? You know, and, and we can go down... We can go down that road and we can say, well, you know, it's, it, takes me, it takes me an extra two hours every week to, to do it this way rather than finding, out a, finding a more efficient way. Well, two hours a week isn't a lot. But then the question is, okay, well, that's two hours a week times 
52 weeks. Okay, so so we've got math going now, right? And so that, that got a little bit larger. But if what if it's more than just me, right? What if it's everybody in the department? We've got 15 people on this team. It's two hours a week for 15 people on the team times 52, right? We start multiplying. And so I, I think... I think your question is is healthy, right? It's okay. Well, maybe it is too small, but if we really sit down and take an objective look and start to do the math, I guess how small is it really? Or or once we extend it out, and is it a year or is it five years? Is it a month? Is it a year? So we, we've got to look at some of those things. But there there are an awful lot of people that I that I work with that say um, there's this part of my business that I really don't like that much, but it's, you know, it's an ingrained part of our business It's part of the deliverable maybe. And I really don't like it that much. I'm not that efficient at it. Uh, It bogs the process down, but we have to do it right. It's, it's part of the business and that, you know, that's fair enough, but, when we look at that, we say, okay, we start going through this process and go, okay, well, it starts to bog down here. Yeah, we, we get over it, and yes, it slows it down, and you know, we can do the math like I was talking about a minute ago. But what about beyond the math? What about the opportunity cost? You know, if, if this is bogging me down or the whole team down, and it's affecting the morale, it's affecting the mood, what's the cost of that? That's, that's a little harder to put numbers to, but, but it starts to extend, right? Um, if, if this is bogging us down, if this is taking too long, the opportunity cost, does this keep us from taking on a new client during this period of time where we're working on this deliverable for this client? Right? So what if, what if we eliminated this or we shifted this somehow? So, oh, wow, you know, if we do that, we could take on another client. All of a sudden, that's a big problem, right? Because if we miss out on this other client, What's, what's the value of that contract, right? So, so then math comes back into the equation. So opportunity cost is a real thing. And, and the, the spillover, you know, beyond the math, to emotions, to morale, to, to culture, to those things, um, those are all big. We look at Uber, you know, bring it, bring it back to that. The solution for Uber is not really a monetary solution. It's, when I, when I get in an Uber, it's probably not saving me money, right? It's probably a pretty similar cost, if not more, to if I had hopped in a cab. But what problem did it actually solve? Solved emotional, fear-based um, problems. Like you said earlier when we were talking, if I'm in the back of an Uber and I have to be on a conference call, I can be on a conference call because I know... I don't have to pay as much attention, right? I don't fear being taken for a ride because I can look at my phone. Hey, is this, is this driver taking me to where I want to go? You know, are they taking me 26 blocks out of my way and, and, and uh, driving up the cost? Well, well, no, because it's right here. So there, there's a lot of peripheral, a lot of certainty that comes with that. And so we, we've got to be cognizant of those things. But the question is still real. It's we, we've got to make some determinations. Is this something that I'm just going to have to keep stepping over? Or is it something I need to move out of the way?
In speaking with a lot of younger leaders, leaders who are maybe just starting out in the management field, but they got the eyes and they're hungry to get into the director role, the C-suite, maybe even branch off and become an entrepreneur. But right now they're just in this, you know what, I'm not at those. I don't, I am not quote unquote empowered to those levels yet. How can organizational leaders or especially in early management phases begin to empower themselves or understand the, the, the leadership qualities and potential that is in front of them. Because I think another sticking point or stumbling block is, yeah, this is a problem, but I, I don't think I'm empowered to make any change about it. Or I don't know that if I have the authority bestowed upon me, you know, to, to go about, you know, these simple changes that impact my team, you know, so how, how do you um, begin to shift and understand the way if we're going to make changes within our team, you know, how do we empower ourselves? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, and, and another real question, right? It's if I'm, if I'm a young aspiring leader, and I've, I've had this in my career before as well, a lot of us have experienced this. What am I empowered to do, which I think is a good word that you used? Where's that line? You know, I had that in my career once. I thought I was doing the right thing. I still think I was doing the right thing. Um, got accolades from the person that I was serving in that situation and it offended my superior because they wanted they wanted to be in that loop, right? They wanted to be um, probably to get those accolades, right? And so, you know, I kind of stepped in it a little bit by taking more initiative than they wanted me to. Do I think I was wrong to this day? No, I don't think I was wrong. I think that was a leadership problem, you know, in my opinion. But it's a great question. And I think I think the first thing that you have to do is know the business. Maybe know the business better than anyone, you know, put that in quotes, but better than anyone else does. Because if if you are in charge of a department or a team or you know, some some component of the business, you've got your team but you're not in a vacuum, right? And so everything that you do affects the rest of the business, right? It's all fitting under some umbrella somehow. So the more you can know about the business and how what your team does affects the rest of the business, the more, the, the better prepared you are to have a conversation. And someone says, oh, it's too small a problem, or yeah, it really doesn't make sense to devote any resources to that. But you can say, well, I understand if we look at it in the micro, right? If we look at it in the in terms of our team, you're probably right. It doesn't make sense. But what about the fact that if we do this, you know, and it has this effect, and then that goes out into the rest of the corporation or the rest of the organization, right? This is the overall effect, right? Here's the team effect. Yeah, it's real small. But the overall effect is this. Or, you know, we... we find a solution, we find an answer to this problem, this team, this team, and that team could also use that solution, maybe in a slightly different way. Maybe we tweak it for marketing, we tweak it for legal, and we tweak it for HR or whatever it is, but it can be implemented in bigger places. So the more you know about the overall business, the better off you are. Specialize, absolutely, but you've got to keep you've got to keep a, a, uh, an eye on the overall, and you've really got to understand this is a this is something I preach to my clients all the time. Right? Again, I'm mainly operating in professional services. I say the more 
that you can understand about your client's business, the more valuable you are to them. So if you're an architect and you say, well, I, j- I just design these things, you know, put just in quotes, I just designed these things. Okay, fine. But what's the impact of these things? And I think, you know, this mantra of if you, you have one job, I really, I really don't even care what you do. I don't care what industry you're in. I don't care what your role is. Your one job is to make somebody's life or business better. Because if you can do that, if you can make somebody's life better, or if you can make somebody's business better, you're valued. Right? Oh my gosh, Matt helped us do this. That, that made our business so much better. They just said, wow, Matt's valuable. Right? Versus, well, Matt sold us this thing. Right? And we, you know, he gave us a great price and whatever. They did not say Matt's valuable, right? They said Matt sold us this thing. And it's a commodity. But if they say Matt helped us and it changed the way that we do business, it helped us be more efficient, whatever whatever it was, whatever solution you provided, that's value. You know, I want to pivot into industry-wide. You know, we cause part of the philosophy on this show is, you know, in order to embody, embrace, and become changing your organization, you first as a leader, you know, it's all about empowering yourself. It's all about doing and exemplifying the things and taking those hard looks internally so that you can be the change and then bring about the rest of your team with you and show them and be a trailblazer for the rest of your team. Um, and so, you know, taking this now into an organization wide, when you're talking about drilling down into your industry and thinking about how can we serve our customer, our client, our what fill in the blank, whatever industry you are in, patients, whatever, how can organizational leaders begin to start thinking, okay, where is the need? How do we drill down? And how do we ask, you know, like what you've explained to us many times, those very uncomfortable questions that push you to think about who specifically are we serving and what specifically are we trying to accomplish? How do we start drilling that down organizationally? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and you know, that's, that's deep in my heart. It, whatever you do, if you're an architect or you sell biomedical uh, products, whatever. Who are you serving, right? Who's your customer? And this process that I take my clients through is, uh, you know, this is where they get uncomfortable is how do you, how do you niche down to the point that there are very few people in the world that you serve? And before your listeners freak out, just bear with me for a second. But, but I use an example. I used this in class the other night. You know, let's just say that you're going to be an architect and you're going to design, you're going to design restaurants. And we look at, at how many restaurant owners there are. So if a restaurant owner is our client, how many restaurant owners are there in the world? And it's 7 million or something like that. That's a lot of people. We can't possibly serve 7 million people. Right? So, okay, I need to niche down. So what if I just say I'm going to... Uh, serve restaurant owners in the United States. Now it drops down to maybe half a million. Still too many people. Okay, well, we're sitting in Indianapolis right now, so let's go, let's go to Indiana. You know, so we went from 7 million to half a million. What's Indiana? Maybe, I don't know, 20,000, let's just say, in the state of Indiana. Still a lot of people. 
I can't possibly have a conversation with 20,000 people that take me the rest of my life and beyond. Let's go to Indianapolis. Right now, maybe we went 7 million to half a million to 20,000. Now, maybe I'm down to 5,000 or something. It's still a lot of people. So if I say, okay, I'm going to niche down to the point where I'm talking to restaurant owners in Indianapolis who own independent restaurants. So now all the chains go away, right? The McDonald's, the Hardee's, the Culver's, the whatever. Those all go away. And not only am I going to independent, but I'm going single location, right? And all of a sudden, in Indianapolis, that probably cut it in half again. I'm going to say, all right, I might be down to, to like 50 at this point or something. But let's go one step further. And let's say Indianapolis independent, one location, small, 20 seats. Now I'm down to 10 people. And I'm just making these numbers up, by the way. So don't, don't start Googling <laughs> these. But, but, you know, now I'm down to 10 people. And this is where my clients start to freak out. It's like, my gosh, Jeff, we can't build a practice. We can't build a sustainable business on just 10 potential clients. No, you can't. But the point is, you need to know more about your customers or clients, whatever you call them, you need to know more about them and their business than anybody else in the world does. And if, if in my example, if you're down to 10 restaurant owners, within the next week, you can have a good conversation with all 10 of those restaurant owners. That's just 10 conversations over the course of the week. But if you do that, suddenly you know more about Indianapolis-based, independent, with one location and only 20 seats. You know more about that business model than anybody else does because you have the cumulative knowledge of talking to all 10 of those restaurant owners. You know more than any one of those 10 restaurant owners does themselves. And so the beauty is now you know more about that business model than anybody else does. They now know you. You start to become the go-to person for them. You start to understand what their pains are, what their problems are, you know, the solutions that they're looking for, and you know better how to serve them than anybody else does. And that's, that's the real key, right? You can't get to disruption without knowing all of those things at that level or at that depth. Now, the relief for my clients comes in the fact that, okay, if, you, if you're the go-to person for those 10 restaurant owners, you know that one of those restaurant owners is having coffee next week with somebody in Indianapolis that has two locations, right? They're outside of your 10. And you know that they're talking and the, the two location owner says, you know, we're really struggling with uh, we're really struggling with this thing, you know, in our restaurants or both of our locations. And the person from your 10 says, well, you need to talk to Jeff because he helped us solve that exact same problem just a month ago, right? And so those 10 people will help you expand, right? If you become the go-to person that knows more about them and their business than anybody else does, they're going to help you expand because they're going to tell other people. They're going to tell the ones with the two locations or the 30 seats or the ones, their buddy in Cincinnati or Chicago or, you know, wherever they are. They're going to help you expand that back out. But the point is, you need to know more. You can't, you can't figure out how to disrupt the taxi cab 
industry without starting with, hey, I'm standing in the rain on the street corner and having a really intimate knowledge of what it's like to travel around the country or the world and stand on street corners in the rain and try to get from point A to point B in unfamiliar locations, right? You couldn't possibly do that if you never left uh, Bozeman, Montana, that has zero taxi cabs, and apologies to Bozeman, you may have <laughs> taxi cabs, I don't know, but it seems like a place that might not. Um, but you you can't do that without having the experience of being in that location, in that place, with that pain, you know, ha- and and having a deep understanding of that. Right? You can't you you can't you can't disrupt on theory. You have to disrupt on understanding, on experience, on empathy, on what is the real pain, what are the real problems, and which are the ones that I absolutely need to solve. Again, Jeff Eccles, president of Echo Engagement and host of two podcasts, the Building Your Brand podcast and Context and Clarity Live. Jeff, such an honor to, to share this platform with you and for you to be our guest here on the ROI podcast. I appreciate it, Matt. This is a lot of fun. And uh, to all the young leaders out there, um, just, I'm just encouraging you because we need you. We need you to uh, embrace everything that you're learning on all these podcast episodes and and uh, become the best leaders that you can because we're depending on you in the future. So we're power to you. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.